Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome. It is good to be with you again today, and I'm excited about a deep and rich conversation that is going to take place. It may be intriguing, it may be shocking, it may be comforting. Uh, Wherever you are and what your exposure is to allow yourself to be curious, open, and awaken to uh, other thoughts and concepts that uh, we're going to discuss through the course of the show. Before I get into that, there are exciting things happening in the 1111 world as we move through. Definitely check out the uh, first two radio episodes that have taken place in September. If you have not, Suresh Ramaswamy's a conversation about Just Be, as well as Yoram Weiss speaking about how you are your power of both fabulous shows, as I'm sure today will be as well. In addition, 1111 Magazine's new issue will be coming out in October, and it is jam-packed with some amazing insight, wisdom, and some beautiful individuals that I'm looking forward to celebrating and sharing with you. Along with that, uh, 1111 is opening an, a mastermind community where you will be able to experience some powerful voices and online courses that are coming up. So stay tuned or go ahead and register for more information at courses.1111mag.com. What if you knew who the people in your current life were in your past lives? What if you found out that your inherent talents and interests and your feelings of familiarity and people and places stemmed from particular lives? And what if you could know life after life who you were? Do you believe in past lives? Do you think that that's a possibility? In what uh, places could you have practiced rites or had great loves or experienced great loss? And what does all that mean to you? Today we are going to discuss all of those things and more as we dive into the triple award-winning book, In Search of Lost Lives, Desire, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind-Soul. And this has been written by Michael Goddard. He is the winner of the Body, Mind, Spirit Book Award, winner of the National Indie Excellence Award, and also the award for Books for Better Living. Uh, it's quite an insightful and intriguing read as he moves through the concepts of desires and scars and his own evolution of recovering uh, many, many lost lives. Uh, he has had 4,137 human lives, which means he's been alive for 173,754 years. Imagine how many lives you might have had. Without further ado, I'd like to welcome Michael Goddard to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Simran. Thank you for the lovely introduction. I'm excited to, well, thank you. I'm excited to have this conversation. It is a little different conversation than I've had on the show before. And there are going to be people that believe in reincarnation and people that do not, and people that will be exposed to this uh, for for the first time wondering um, if this is something that really has taken place. And then there will be individuals who, like you, the moment they come in contact with the information, they realize a familiarity and a truth to it. 
you knew that once you read Edgar Casey's work when you were 12 years old. You had a knowing that past lives were true. Where yes. was there a was there an inclination to explore at that time, or or was it something that you just took in as that knowing, and this all unfolded in later years? Well, it, it all kind of began when we moved to California when I was ten, and I would visit metaphysical bookshops. Uh, my mom was an artist, and we'd go to the uh, art galleries on Sutter Street in San Francisco. And after a while, I would steal away uh, at that young age and go to metaphysical bookshops and just pull down book after book, uh, looking, searching. And then I came, I started doing, uh, contacting spirits, doing automatic writing when I was that age and doing self-hypnosis. And when I was 12, I came across Edgar Cayce. And as soon as I read about reincarnation, I just knew it was true and actually, from the age of 11, I, I really encountered the fact that I was going to die, and I wanted to make the best use of my life possible. I wanted, actually, this sounds really audacious, uh, I wanted to conquer death and achieve a consciousness of, of pure bliss and immortality. So thus began my search, and I searched all through my preteen years in high school, and uh, just I came back early from my year abroad in England. I was going to spend the summer in Greece completing a novel, but I was just drawn back uh, ineluctably, and um, I came across this path, uh, Science of the Soul, which uh, immediately answered, all the pieces fell in place, and I, I came on this path. I've been doing transcendental meditation since I was 19. So it's just, um, some of the uh, audience may not be familiar with the word sanskaras, which is in the title of my book, and that's Sanskrit basically for impressions from a past life. And what was so revelatory um, about my uh, recovery, which just grew and grew, is that it explained so much who I am, all my particular individual idiosyncrasies, my talents, my gifts, my personality, it, it all very much related to specific uh, experiences in particular past lives. And I can go into that in more detail and give examples. But, you know, so many people now are interested in genealogy and family history. What I found was that, and I was so different from my uh, other family members, what I found was so much of who I am, what defines me, is who I have been in past lives. And it was just uh, the most wonderful, complete experience to recover that. Basically, I recovered who I am. I recovered uh, 71 human lives. I stopped there. But also 17 animal lives, which we can go into later. So for a total of 88 lives. Well, I, I want to go back to a couple of things that you said. And, and I read in the book where you talked about wanting to conquer death and achieve immortality. And in a sense, you know, by moving into this path, uh, you did exactly that because you realized that that there is very much beyond this physical form. And I think one of the great, the greatest fear uh, is, is the fear of death that most people hold. That is what keeps us running. It, it keeps us distracted. It keeps uh, addictions in place. It's, it's what is a lot of the reason for many people's issues. 
in knowing yeah, what you know it, now, talk a little mm-hmm. bit about um, about mm-hmm. that awakening and awareness and expansion into uh, how how our physical life, as important as it is in the grand picture of things, it is such a small speck. It is a small step, uh, and I had the fear so physically. I mean, uh, maybe it was because you know, since I was five, I had tropical fish, and they would die periodically, and I'd have to flush them down the toilet. So I was aware of death, you know, from the age of five. But when I was 11, it just really hit me, you're going to die, and I'd look at myself and try to try to grasp that with my young, you know, Self, and I would just break into a cold sweat and start shaking. And I realized that <clears throat> so much people's lives is about anything to avoid, you know, dealing with that, that subject, but it's all going to happen. I mean, people who think they're going to be 90 can, can go at 39. You, you just never know. So, um, and I'm forgetting the rest of your, your, your questions, Simran. It was That's about, all right. Yeah, that's that's all right. I think you you actually covered it in your response. Um, the other part I wanted to go into, and I appreciate you explaining to individuals what the sanskaras are. Coming from the Eastern tradition myself, I'm familiar with reincarnation and those types of of, of concepts. Mm-hmm. And even in the Buddhist uh, lineage, they talk about uh, cravings and desires and, and different things like that, and how we create our experience in our lives based on that. Karma is another way to look at that. Talk a little bit about how cravings, aversions, desires uh, help to build the framework of cause and effect throughout the subsequent lives that you have had. Right. Well, everything is is karma. I mean, karma and reincarnation basically explain uh, life. And desire is really the juice that runs the universe, the creation. Um, it, it, it explains everything. Um, we, we're chasing after our, our desires. Really, you know, the, the soul, I, I look at it at us as the soul, the mind, and the body. And the soul is totally dominated by the mind, which in turn is dominated by the senses. So we're, we're always chasing after things, uh, you know, pleasure, ego gratification, sensual gratification. And, and these desires create karmas. And when they're not fulfilled, they're, they're held in reserve. So people have a huge uh, reserve of, of karmas. It's called sentient karmas. So if you're, um, if, if you're a ruler and kill over 260,000 people, uh, there's justice in this world, and you're going to have to pay for it. So obviously, you can't pay off the deaths of that many people in one life, so you're going to have to come back to, to pay it off. Now, in my case, one of the lives I recovered uh, automatically, it just totally blew my mind, is when I was a ruler, and I started an unnecessary war, which resulted in the deaths of over 260,000 children, men and women. So um, in that case, I, I went immediately um, to what I call a reformative stage, which in common parlance is a pell, 
and um, and really had a, a great deal of those traumas. Why it was just totally indescribable suffering, and I kind of relearned the uh, sanctity of human life. So if if you perform badly enough, uh, you, you know you won't come back as a human. Uh, I write about two lives in which I went to hells. Uh, the other one um, was for a kind of a much lesser infraction. It was really kind of screwing, kind of destroying somebody's mental framework. I had a lot of mental powers that lifetime. But your your actions and thoughts and deeds are all balanced after you die. Uh, a lot of the literature out there makes it seem like it's just uh, an easy walk in the park, uh, kind of like a cozy adult education seminar. But you, you really have to account for everything at one time or another. I mean, it seems like life is just horribly unfair, but we're only looking at at you know the the total surface layer, we don't really know what's going on, what's driving people. <clears throat> We're all here f- uh, pursuing our destiny, and and we have free will, but it's limited. And uh, but we we do have free will pretty much with with our attitude. So in the framework, I mean, one life is very little, but it's very important because the human. Form is the top of the creation, Simran. I mean, this is as good as it gets. I mean, saints write about angels hankering for a human life uh, because the human life is the life in which you can realize God. You can realize yourself, which is the soul. Basically, we're the soul and we all come from the supreme being. Call, call that power what you will. It, it has no name. So to to relate to the uh, the regions, the mental regions of which the physical uh, is the one we're in, we had to take association with the mind. And coming into this life, obviously, we needed a physical body. So when this when the time for this physical body is finished, uh, the soul and mind will leave. The soul and mind are knotted together uh, for seemingly eternities. So most people just kind of keep on, want to keep on keeping on, not knowing what they're going to have to go through from one life to the next, or if they're going to have to come back uh, as an animal, which can be pr- pretty tough. Um, but there are some people who, who want to leave, who who want to return to the source, which is so beyond language, but it's just, uh, you know, the immortal ocean of, of love and bliss. And and there are very advanced souls who come from time to time to take back those people who, who whose time it is to return. So that, in a nutshell, is sort of a description of, of life here in the physical. It seems naive to believe that people began their lives as merely blank slates and developed their particular likes and dislikes, their idiosyncrasies and passions, independent of family members and even friends. Friendships were formed because of mutual interests and likes and ease of communication, yet there must much more to it. The best logical explanation is that they came in and were born with very different histories, and those family relationships were a continuation and working out of specific backstories, his stories and her stories, stretching back through past lives. Those stories included recurring actors and people who acted out different relationships in different lives, often with the same actors in changing roles. All the time we were laboring under the veil of forgetting. Hopefully we were doing our best to not repeat past mistakes and transgressions rather than to respond 
to trying situations with compassion and love. Still, how could these evolving backstories be confirmed? This is from the book In Search of Lost Lives, Desire, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind-Soul. This is written by Michael Goddard, who holds an MFA in creative writing from Bowling Green State University and is the author of Spiritual Revolution, A Seeker's Guide, 52 Powerful Principles for Your Mind and Soul, which the Hollywood Spiritual Film and Entertainment Festival named Best Spirituality Self-Help Book. He's also the author of Bliss, 33 Simple Ways to Awaken Further, which has sold more than 38,000 copies and was named a semifinalist in the Spirituality Self-Help Book category at the Hollywood Spiritual Film and Entertainment Festival. You can find out more at Goddard.com, G-O-D-D-A-R-T.com. We'll be right back with more Michael Goddard in Search of Lost Lives. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. In 2013, Michael Goddard unexpectedly began recovering specific details about his past lives. 
it became clear why in his current life he began his spiritual search at such a young age. Being an avid meditator since the age of 11, he started to uncover many signs and symbols and conversations that allowed him to deepen into many lives that had occurred before. As life after life opened up, it also became apparent how this was divining character traits, idiosyncratic aversions, and affinities in this current lifetime, which are sanskaras. These are impressions from past lives and the result of distinct experiences in particular past lives. In Search of Lost Lives shows how a person's desires and actions directly affect transmigration in subsequent lives. And through several examples, Michael demonstrates the ways in which hurtful actions he took during his past lifetimes resulted in his being reborn in many other lifetimes, both as human and as animal, as well as a sojourn between lives to allow for reformation. Cal is the ruler of the physical, astral, and causal perishable realms. Karma, which is Sanskrit and has to do with the cause and effect, the law of action and reaction, is administered where the mind and soul must ultimately account for every action it commits. Michael, welcome back. You put the words mind and soul together uh, rather than as separate. And you mentioned in the last segment that they are intertwined or bonded. Speak a little bit more about what you mean there and how that relates to our recreation of life to learn and grow and expand from what we lived before. Well, as I mentioned in the first segment, to, we, we came down into the creation as souls and once we, we entered the mental regions, we, we took on association with a particular mind. So we, we've been doing actions and, and receiving their reactions for, you know, untold millions of lives. And as humans, we are creating karmas which, which stay, stay with you. So, so those, those karmas, which are, which is action and simply action and reaction, uh, they they accumulate. So, for instance, um, if if you eat, you know, ten thousand chickens, um, that's an action you've taken. You've you've created suffering. Um, so it you know may not seem like it at the time. You know, of course, most people don't kill their own food, but uh, that is karma you're accumulating that you're going to carry with you. You know, on the other hand, if if you uh, commit wonderful acts of kindness, um, your your life is pretty much set out. But but good acts, loving, kind acts, will also reap their own reward. You spoke about a past life in the first segment where you were a ruler, and there were over two hundred and sixty thousand men, women, and children killed uh, because of war, some happening, and that sent you into a space, uh, a hellish space, where you then had to uh, transmute, I guess, that, that accumulation of what had occurred. You talked about how that experience then uh, allowed you to acquire a knowing of the sanctity of human life. And in the book, you talk about how the witnessing of those soul sufferings was what did that. When we look at the world today and we look at so many things that are taking place where, you know, people want to get outraged because there is suffering, there is pain, there is war, there is 
there, there's rape. There's all these things that take place that are such violent acts. Is this not the place or the experience that is allowing for that sanctity of, of humanity to be experienced? Is this kind of that what you were talking about in that particular situation, or is there another realm and another place that you were speaking of? Well, both. I mean, when I was in that state of reformation, that hell, uh, it was really kind of drilled into me, the sanctity of human life. But but obviously, I mean, a lot of people look uh, at, at this world as a hell. I mean, the suffering is it's just horrendous and indescribable. And we never know really, you know, the whys and wherefores of, of every particular action. If people go through a war, you know, the civilian population and the military, each each person has their individual karma. And, uh, you know, you can go into battle and four people around you will be shot down, but you'll live. I mean... It, I mean, if, without the understanding of, 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 of the law of karma, I mean, life makes no, no sense. But we're here, you know, this is a really tough planet. I, I mention, I'll mention briefly, this is actually the third of my planets on which I reincarnated. And, you know, by far, this, this is where we are here to learn uh, the toughest lessons. But we're here to grow in spirituality. I mean, uh, there's a common quote attributed to Teilhard de Chardin that we are not uh, human beings having spiritual experiences. We are spiritual beings having human experiences. So I believe that each life uh, we have a spiritual purpose. And each life we can build on the next. And, and that's what our spiritual evolution is. You know, the power of the book that you've written is, is exponential in the fact that it really does stretch the mind for, for individuals to even consider that there's something beyond themselves because we are a very self-absorbed society. We believe that our little personality and our identity is everything that counts and that oftentimes negates the people around us. It, it negates the experiences that are going on in the world at the time, but more so it negates timelessness that, has, that encompasses all of time. Your book also does go into the other planets, which you call, I guess, Vazen and Jorlu, and, and that then takes us into this realm of there are other places beyond even this earth. So it really requires an individual to look from a bigger telescope uh, as to how far-reaching everything we do is and, and that it, it's necessary now more than ever for us to come outside of our self-absorption and understand how the minutest action really does have ramifications. Is that why it's important to discover the past lives? Or, you know, what's the point? Does, does anyone need to really do that? Um, well, well, it's helpful. I don't know how many people can, but, but knowing that who you are very much uh, is defined by who you've been in a, in a past life, and uh, in, in putting it in a broader context, you, you, you know for sure that you're, you're on a journey. I mean, a lot of intellectuals take pride in the fact that they're atheists, but I think there's just enormous comfort in knowing more and more that there's an all-loving, all-powerful presence, which a lot of people call God. And um, God is more eager than 
words could ever describe for, for us to return to that state of being. We're not in our true home. I mean, uh, who, who would want to call this their home? I mean, you, you may feel a little bit of comfort or safety if things are going okay for a few minutes and you actually have a home. I mean, millions upon millions of people are homeless, but this is not our natural state. You know, we have a soul, mind, and body, and they're, they're really, they're not together. You know, you're with your body for a limited number of years, and they're not in their natural state. The mind has its own natural home at the top of what's called universal mind, <clears throat> the region uh, in Sanskrit called Chirkuti. So the, the mind actually wants to go back, but it's just a complete uh, victim of its karma and destiny, which has formed life after life after life. And I've had millions of lives, but, you know, thousands of human lives. And this life is so valuable, you, you, you can't describe it. And that's why, you know, so many people, particularly now, I mean, the harder it gets out here, and it's pretty tough, the more people turn within and turn to spirituality and search for something more. I think we all want something more, and that can best be described by an all-embracing love. I'd love to talk about a certain distinction, and and the reason I bring this up is as someone who has mentored individuals and also loves to explore psychology and watch people, there are individuals who utilize anything. It could be spiritual tool, technique, it could be... Uh, astral travel, meditation, it could be reincarnation, as a means of escaping where they are, as a means of escaping this life. And then those very same things can be also used as tools for becoming more aware and present to this life. What's the distinction when looking at this type of work as to how not let it be an escape but let it be something that brings you back to the present moment. Well, I think it's a matter of being clear of what you're after. I mean, to me, the highest kind of occupation, vocation, is to be a seeker searching for the truth. So if you're searching for the truth about yourself, about existence, about God, if you're pursuing answering humankind's immortal questions... Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Then, then that is something very valuable. If you're just escaping to get lost in, in, in things, really to kind of forget who you are, to, to fall into self-forgetfulness, that's you know, almost akin to getting lost in media, except you're getting lost in, uh, into a different media. So it really goes down to what your intent is and your, and your purpose. So, in discovering all of your past lives, how has that made you more present to this one? Well, it's made me appreciate and value every moment more and more, um, making best use of my time. I am feeling more and more desireless, actually, as I, I grow older. Things just don't exert a pull on me, and it's just a wonderful feeling of, of freedom to be more God-centered. Um, I mean, I, I very much have lived in the life I had a very involved, sophisticated income tax practice uh, for most of my professional life as I nursed uh, my writing. 
but but this knowledge has just made me value my life all the more. I mean, people do a lot of crazy things as if they're immortal, uh, and then they can have accidents uh, or you know or break something. You know, we are immortal, but we're not uh, immortal in in these bodies. We'll just be going to a new body. And the thing is, you know, I maybe maybe it's just me, but the thing is. It's hard, it's hard for some people to live not knowing what's going to happen next. I mean, you don't know what your next life will be. You could be born legless uh, in a hovel in, in, a, in a tough country and, and have to beg for, your, you know, beg for your sustenance. We just don't know what we're going to do. Or you could be sent for heaven for uh, all your good works. But still, being in a heaven isn't the ultimate reward because you have to come back and face the music. You said the word desireless, that that's where you're achieving. And, and there again, that's a concept that I think, particularly in today's world, would have people cock their heads to the side because media, marketing, uh, conditioning all tend to lead us towards, you know, live the, the life of your dreams, have everything uh, we live in a materialistic society. We see greater and greater narcissism unfolding in front of us. And it is all about attainment and achievement and being more and having more. Yet, what we are really here to do is to find the path of equanimity and no longer have desires, no longer have the waves affect us in any sort of way and be able to sit amongst this. Uh, in your own spiritual path, do you believe it has been the meditation uh, or the uncovering of these lives, or how has the combination of that supported you in that uh, achievement of desirelessness? Well, it's definitely the you know the meditation that I do detaches you slowly from from the world. It's sort of like you know the, the image is often given of of a silk cloth caught on thousands of thorns of, 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 of a rose bush. And the meditation is very gently unhooking you from those thorns piece by piece. But desire is, is what it's all about. I mean, this is, this is what drives us, as I mentioned earlier. It's, it's really kind of the juice that runs the, the creation and, and turns your actions in, in, into karmas. But, by, but, you know, there are also higher desires. I mean, the desire to, to know yourself to reach uh, self-realization and God-realization. Those are kind of what I feel are the, the highest desires to aspire to. But still, you know, people are subject to their minds, which, which have drives. And, and that's why, you know, a lot of people who are trying to break out of that are searching. They are looking for more. So it, it's really just... Step by step. I mean, the epigraph of my book is a quote from Rumi, from a, probably my favorite poem. It's, uh, it takes a thousand stages for the perfect being to evolve. So, you know, we, we've been coming back and coming back and coming back. But now, you know, with, with, I mean, the world is such a tough place with so much violence and ugliness going on. But it's also more than ever we have the opportunity to attain liberation because before, you know, these evolved teachers would come and maybe they'd have a handful of disciples. But now, you know, if you really want to search, you, you can find what you're looking for, I feel. Rumi says, I have come to drag you out of yourself and take you in my heart. 
I have come to bring out the beauty you never knew you had and lift you like a prayer to the sky. If no one can recognize you, I do, because you are my life and soul. Don't run away. Accept your wounds and let bravery be your shield. It takes a thousand stages for the perfect being to evolve. Every step of the way, I will walk with you and never leave you stranded. Be patient. Do not open the lid too soon. Simmer away until you are ready. In this game, I make the rules. I roll you like a ball and chase you when I choose. You can find out more about Michael Goddard at goddard.com. That's G-O-D-D-A-R-T.com. And his book, In Search of Lost Lives, Desire, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind-Soul. He also has other books, which are Spiritual Revolution, A Seeker's Guide, in addition to Bliss, 33 Simple Ways to Awaken Further. We'll be right back with Michael Goddard after these messages. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Do you want more? More joy? More abundance? More power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? More empowered community? Greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 Gateway. Courses.1111mag.com Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back to 
scroll down on the roll uh, show page and you will find all the different places that you can find me across social media. My guest today is Michael Goddard, and we are talking about his latest book, In Search of Lost Lives, Desires, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind-Soul. Deja vu, like passing back through different time zones when you fly across the world and land, your system and thoughts are struggling to be two places at once and also process the weird, unreal travel in between. Your impressions are reproduced like someone playing an accordion, with the two ends you're holding being the embarkation and disembarkation points. And with the impressions of travel, the ridges of the accordion's pleated bellows, it's confusing and difficult to process until at the new location, your awareness is swept along with the rush of sensations and events. We travel along in life, our consciousness filtered through the scheme of time, flitting from impression to impression, dreaming within a dream. This is from Michael's book, In Search of Lost Lives. Oftentimes when you went through uh, to many places, whether it was to India or to England or to the various regions that you have traveled through, Michael, you had those experiences of deja vu or you would experience an energy uh, feeling a little bit more powerful. And and many people will find that uh, when they encounter different places that that takes place. This also occurred with you in regard to people, and you talk about uh, the the seven. Uh, speak to both of those, the deja vu as well as um, the, the power of, of those seven that come into your life uh, multiple right, times. Right, the, co- the cohort of, uh, of seven. Well, the deja vu, I had at different uh, points in my life, and it was really, you know, be specific and unexpected, uh, probably the most powerful one uh, was at Juhu Beach, uh, which is south of uh, Bombay. And uh, I had been to Bombay quite a number of times, but on my last day there, uh, I felt I was just sort of pulled to take an alternative route. And um, I came up across a street I'd never seen before, and there was like this big stone gate uh, at the beginning of the street with the letters, huge letters saying metaphysical society. And like my, my knees practically buckled down uh, uh, below me. I, I mean, I almost lost it. It was like I knew I had lived there before, and it was as if I was literally trying to remember who my neighbors were. It was just, it felt like there were just, um, you know, opaque layers. If I could just peel them back, I would know everything. So, so that was a very powerful um, experience of deja vu. Another one was when I first went to Occidental in Sonoma County. It just seemed in, in just so familiar. I couldn't believe it. Also, the older, the older sections of Hong Kong and Singapore. Well, um, I, one of the um, main lives I recovered was two lives back when I uh, was a banker and went out uh, with the British Raj and, and worked in Bombay. And that's actually where I lived. And then uh, when my tour was completed, I took a round-the-world trip, stopping in Hong Kong and Singapore, Hawaii, San Francisco. And I took a road row, row, row trip uh, uh, up into Sonoma County and, and made it to Occidental. Um, so a lot of people have feelings of deja vu, and, and the definition is already seen. Uh, that's the literal uh, definition. 
So uh, it'd be interesting for uh, uh, listeners to look back and see if they've had any really powerful experiences of familiarity or where it just seems so familiar. Also, you have this with, with people. Uh, people, you know, like I met somebody at the gym and we just started talking, but this is somebody um, <clears throat> I had seen at a previous gym and he was walking like on the second floor and it's just sort of like my mind went out to try to reach uh, his mind. And I have a section in the book uh, called Jumping into Old Friends. It's basically when your higher mind recognizes the person uh, that you've known before. So I was picking things up about him intuitively, which I can go into if we have the time. But when we both moved to this new gym, I started talking to him. First time we talked 45 minutes, and we kept talking and talking. Well, this person uh, I've known in in my in two previous lives, and he was a close friend in my last life. Uh, we were at Cambridge University together, and then friends when uh, we lived in London, and we're still friends today. So a lot of people come into your life that you've known before. Now, the cohort of seven is something very special. This is like a group of mind-soul entities, and we are together between lives, uh, reviewing our lives and learning lessons and, and doing spiritual work. But there are also the people I've had by far the most physical lives with on Earth, and we've had all kinds of relationships. What's really unusual, Simran, is that... <clears throat> This lifetime and two lives ago, when I was that British banker, we, I, I knew them all. We were all incarnated at the same time. And my God, when I met them, it was just like I, I would feel dizzy. It was like this was very much the experience of my consciousness kind of jumping out, trying to get into their consciousness to figure out who is this person? How do I know them? But it was very kind of unconscious at the time. Uh, and one of the delights of, of recovering my past lives is that I was able to find out who these were and what, you know, and some of what our relationships were. Mm, beautiful. Throughout the book, there are certain sections uh, where you talk about uh, guilt and shame and, and those types of things. And, and we tend to have a core belief. People carry a lot of guilt and shame. But you talk about that being something that we take with us from one life to the next. And so if those are the types of experiences that an individual is encountering with themselves, it's likely that they've brought that forward from a past life and it's brought forward for the purposes of, of healing and transmuting in this life. How long can, can those types of things be carried through lives before they're actually transmuted? How long can they be carried? Well, it, it really just <clears throat> depends on the individual as to when it's time for it, for it to come up. Um, you know, each, each life has its, its own menu, so to speak, and, and you, you get to work on different things. But whatever, you know, I, I think you, a person, the best way to approach is to look at your priorities. Obviously, if something happened this lifetime, you, you want to try to work it out and heal it. Um, I had all kinds of funny um, medical stuff going on, very serious stuff. Um, but I was able to work out stuff that, that happened uh, at a very early age that I had repressed. 
So I, I would just sort of look at it as, as priorities. Um, most people won't be able to identify like what what life it came from, but you know I, I look at you know these lives as you know as basically a, a, a big school, and and we want to work on that, which gives us priorities. I mean, some people are here really to just mainly to give service, you know, helping people learn how to grow food better or build shelters. You know, the thing is to, to find your calling, but also to honor your, your spiritual self and to, to be very aware of, you know, that you're on a spiritual journey uh, and, and this is not the end of it. And to always act, uh, you know, with kindness. Well, and you you talk, you write about, you know, disharmony and discordance and the power that we have in creating our next lives based on whether we are living harmoniously or in disharmony, whether we are living accordingly or in discordance. Uh, and, and, And those types of ramifications don't always play out in the current lifetime. They, they can play out in the subsequent lifetimes, as you've illustrated through your book. Oh, oh yes. I mean, you can try to set yourself up for uh, a future life, um, which which I did, and that's illustrated in the book. I mean, I, I lived a householder's life five lives ago in India, and I uh, meditated at that time. Um, but at the end of the life, um, I just was kind of overcome with this desire for an all-embracing love. And um, my next life, I was born in Denmark, uh, but I was given up uh, shortly after I was born by my very young mother and grew up in a very tough uh, orphanage. So that life was all about winning love, experiencing love, and lo and behold, uh, I became an actor and a playwright. So that life was all about um, experiencing love anywhere, everywhere I could, having the adulation and love of the audience. But that was love I couldn't, you know, totally take with me. And that really spurred me on to my, more of my spiritual uh, search, which happened the next three lives when I was searching for a, a teacher to help me raise to a consciousness where the love would, could be permanent. We only have a couple of minutes left, Michael, and I'd love to ask you this question. I know that your senior thesis at UC Berkeley had to do with mind and soul, the religion of Ralph Waldo Emerson. And it was because you really wanted to understand how cause and effect operated through time. In knowing what you know now with all of your past lives, um, what connects uh, back to that thesis in regard to Ralph Waldo Emerson? What are the dots that have shown up from then to now? Well, kind of the understanding of the whole cosmos um, <clears throat> that, you know, we, we live in a universe of, of cause and effect, which plays out through time. Uh, and time is an illusion. Uh, t- time is existent in the physical world, uh, the astral realms, and the, and the causal realms. So uh, it, it is funny that I picked that as my, my thesis uh, I had a very funny relationship with Emerson. I mean, I loved a lot of what he wrote, and then I thought he really missed the boat with with a lot of his other writings. But um, everything really has connected in my life, and I, I feel very fortunate and, and lucky for that. And I feel, you know, I've, I've gained that understanding. But that understanding is available to everyone. I mean, we have so much at our fingertips. It's really a question of making a decision to be a seeker after truth. 
until we become the truth, which, Simran, we can become, we're all seekers. So it's a long journey, and this is just one pause in the physical world in that ongoing journey. Beings are placed on earth for many a season. These seasons were in places and times that may have echoed through your awareness, or not at all. Were you to recover those lives and know who you were and what you did, that would fill you with unalloyed awe and appreciation. The seasons don't simply repeat with customary variations in temperature and rainfall. Rather, the seasons we have lived have traversed fantastic journeys on lost worlds with God playing symphonies through us. Our source of being knows why our distinctive troubles and sufferings and hopes are part and parcel of our journey and evolution of love. The Oversoul is in constant creation, in unimaginable diversity that can only be known by rejoining the Oversoul with fully realized consciousness. That is, God-realization attained only after the mind is left in its true home, and the soul continues to progress with its guide becoming purer, brighter, realizing finer and finer spiritual realms until the soul, finally, more brilliant and beautiful than countless stars and radiating the purest, most powerful love that is God, merges back into the eternal divine ocean. This is from the book In Search of Lost Lives, Desires, Sanskaras, and the Evolution of a Mind-Soul by Michael Goddard. You can find out more at goddard.com, G-O-D-D-A-R-T.com. My guest next week is Robin Spisman, and we'll be talking about loving out loud. Thank you, Michael, for being on 1111 Talk Radio, and thank you, my listeners, for always being here with me. In love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.